Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. And good morning, everybody. We are ready to go following this long Labor Day weekend. Are you ready to go? Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. You can watch us on MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Zach Stevens, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Zach Stevens filling in for pretty much the rest of this week up until Friday when Bruce gets back from his extended vacation for me. How are you, Zach? I'm doing fantastic. Happy Labor Day weekend. How was your weekend? Oh, it was great. It was great to have some time off. Now it's all football, baby. Uh, did you cook your favorite carcass yesterday? <laughs> I did not cook a carcass yesterday. Uh, no, actually, j- just had a really relaxing weekend, which was so nice jumping into football. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. And yes, we are less than a week away from the Broncos opener. We are two days away from the NFL opener, and then Sunday, full slate of games. And then we've been talking about the Broncos pretty much every day, all the time, 24-7, if we're really being honest. But all the talk, new owner, new coach, new coordinators, new quarterback, new a lot of things, finally, all the talk gets put to the test, and let's see what happens. With that, time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smokin' Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. I don't want to say maybe we have a greater appreciation for Von Miller, but when Von Miller got traded to the Rams, he still was very high in his praise for the Broncos. When he went to the Bills, still very high in his praise for the Broncos. I suppose it's understanding that when somebody gets cut, or released, or traded. They're a little bitter. They're a little upset. They'll say something in the media, kind of like former Broncos punter Sam Martin, who was asked why he chose the Bills over the Broncos after being asked to take a pay cut. He said, quote, a lot went into that decision, but overall, I think I ended up in the right spot. Let's put it this way. It's my 10th year in the league. There's a lot more important things to me than technically the money. One of them is being on a team of this caliber. And just the culture here. Little shade, a lot of shade, no shade. Do you expect him to really say that? Maybe you didn't expect him to say that. When you first read that quote, what did you think? Oh, well, it's the truth. And he is in a better place to win right now. And Eric, he signed a one-year deal. So it's all about this year for him. And of course he's bitter. The Broncos just cut him. He just got beat out for a job for whatever reason it was, was because he he got beat out by a guy of Corliss Waitman who has not played an NFL game yet. So, of course, he's bitter that the Broncos moved on from him. But it's also true. He is now in an organization that isn't just better set up for winning right now. It has a more winning culture these past few years. So, of course, what he's saying is right. So I don't I don't take it as shade that much. I don't take it as shade because I can understand why he would say it. He is absolutely spot on when he says he's on a team with a higher caliber, meaning they're favorites to win the Super Bowl. Yep. No reasonable person is going to argue that. However, <clears throat> I would disagree about the culture statement. Mm. Um, all the guys you've talked to, on the record, off the record, has the culture changed? In Denver? Yeah. Absolutely. 
Uh, does it seem like a winning culture now? It does. Does it seem like a positive culture? Absolutely. It feels more like a throat culture coming from him than him talking about culture. Because if Vic Fangio is the head coach, spot on. Yep. If, if Vance Joseph is the head coach, spot on. I get it. I think the culture line is where he kind of lost me. I understand the Bills have a winning culture now. I get it. And the Broncos are all talk about a winning culture. The Bills have proven they can win. But to suggest that the Broncos have a losing culture or just not a good one, I, I think is mildly inaccurate. Well, and, and, and I agree with that, that the Broncos don't have a winning culture now, but one of them's established right. and the other isn't. Well, no, no, no. You, wait, can, wait, you know what? They've been established for a whole year and a half to two years. It's wow. true. It's true. But that's a year, year and a half. Year, year and a half. Year and a half, two year. years longer that, than the Broncos have been these past two years. But in the big thing, it all comes down to your quarterback, Eric. And no one is more established as a winning quarterback uh, year in and year out than Russell Wilson. Eight of his first 10 years, he's made the playoffs. Nine of his first 10 years, he's had a winning season. And by the way, the only year he didn't make the playoff or have a winning record last year was when he didn't play in every single game. So every single year he's played in every single game, he's had a winning record. So that and that's what Russell Wilson brings. That's why there is instant credibility here. But it is a new coaching staff. There's so many new pieces here. Whereas with the Bills, I know they lost their offensive coordinator, but you still have the same head coach. You still have the same offensive philosophy and playbook, and you still have a lot more continuity than the Broncos have. I don't think for the Buffalo Bills, <clears throat> losing Brian Dayball is going to be as big of a deal as people think. Now, people say to me, that's nuts. He was the offensive coordinator. For those that know football, okay, and I think the way that Hackett and Wilson work together is more of an anomaly. Mm. Vacation together, and obviously not tons of vacations together. They were in London together. Okay, they were. They happened to be at the same concert. They happened to be in the same picture at the same time. <laughs> what are the odds of I that? I don't think it was a happenstance. Be, being, being halfway <laughs> across the world. Um, I, I do believe that your offensive coordinator <clears throat> does talk, no question, to the quarterback. They do have a relationship, clearly. But if you pick somebody on the coaching staff, and let's just say the head coach isn't the offensive coordinator, of all the guys that the quarterback is working with, what single singular position at the head coaching position or at the coaching position does that quarterback work with? The offensive coordinator. Or you're talking quarterback coach? The Yes. Yep. And who was the quarterback coach last year for the Bills? Ken Dorsey. Mm -hmm. And who's the offensive coordinator for the Bills? Now Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey. Yeah. That's where the relationship is truly built because you spend more time with that guy. Right. That's why no one should be really worried about the Bills. At least I don't think so with Brian Doe Ball leaving. But let's get back to the Broncos. George Payton said his decision to cut Martin had nothing to do with money. They really wanted Corliss Waitman. Now that we're more than a week removed from this, roughly, are you taking George at his word a hundred percent? Well, it has money has to come into the decision, right? Now, I was told that there was no direct pay cut involved in the decision leading up to moving on from him, but 
money plays a factor in, in every position. It, it absolutely should. It should even at the quarterback position. But, of course, you pay a quarterback, an elite quarterback, whatever they have to. When it comes to punter, you can cut some corners here and there and save a million and a half like the Broncos did by moving on from Sam. And what I do believe is they chose the guy with the higher upside. Now, that's risky when, when you're talking about a team that is going to be playing meaningful games week 16, 17, and 18. If they have a 22-yard shank, that could be the difference in them uh, making the playoffs or not making the playoffs when you're playing the Chiefs at the end of the season and the Chargers at the end of the season. When did Corliss Williamson join the Broncos on, uh, on the roster? He joined them at the end of last season. At the end of last season. It's my understanding that they did ask Martin to take a pay cut. Is that your understanding as well? At some point. Maya, I, I did not hear that. I knew leading up to the decision, they did not. Leading up, so it is your understanding they didn't ask him to do any type of restructure? Those couple of days before, right. I'm talking about a week before that, two weeks before I, that. I'm not sure about it before that. It is my understanding that was the case. I think if he takes the pay cut, restructure, I think he's probably the quarterback. I think he's probably the punter on this team. And it makes sense because then the money would be a lot more even between Corliss and Sam. Right. Do you really think Waitman is really that much better? I know we get hung up, excuse the pun, on hang time, but th that that's the advantage. I, I think it was a neck-and-neck -neck competition throughout training camp. So, no, I don't think either of them were, were that much better than the other. Right. Well, I suppose we'll see, right? I mean... Let's not look at the punter position and just say it's totally irrelevant. Mm -mm. The question is, can you flip the field? Yep. Do you have a guy who can do that? Neck and neck, money being the same, you probably go with the veteran. But the truth is, one guy does have a proven track record, and the other guy does not. Yep. One guy was a top five punter in the league, although punting in altitude helps a little bit. It certainly does. Don't you think? It, absolutely. Maybe with hang time. Yep. Think that helps a little bit? Absolutely. I guess we'll see, right? And for Dwayne Stukes, who is the special teams coordinator, I'm guessing he's the guy who said, this is the guy that I definitely want, mm -hmm. unless money came into it. Well, and we're seeing Dwayne Stukes have a lot of impact with some guys on the team. Aaron Patrick, an outside linebacker that probably the casual Broncos fan has never heard his name. He made the team because of special teams. Uh, you had Tyree Cleveland make the team because of special teams. So you have to imagine right. this was Dwayne Stukes. He really liked his upside. Coming up after the break, uh, just kind of going through predictions uh, for the upcoming season. And I read something about the Broncos from a certain writer at a certain website. And I have to tell you, I was blown away about this particular prediction. I was like, did I just read that? <laughs> Is this guy really serious? So what did this guy write? We'll talk about it next. Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com.
Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Zach Stevens. Zach Stevens filling in up until Thursday before Bruce gets back from his vacation. Uh, Zach, of course, you can catch on DNVR. You can also catch us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed on my Twitter feed at Eric Goodman. All right, um, Sasquatch and Wildcard Casino, they always have great giveaways. You're going to love this. They did it before, and they decided to do it again because it worked so well. They're giving away a Tesla. Mm. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Right? Giving away a Tesla. If you don't want it, no problem, Zach. They're going to give you over $33,000 in cash instead. Grand prize drawings. The weekend of October 7th, you can get final centuries every half hour, 10 a.m. until midnight during their daily cash drawings, or you can redeem some players' points if you want to as well. They have really loose slots. I can say that they can't. Great sports book, great menu. Sasquatch and Wildcard, a family-owned casino that treats you like family. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. Okay, so I was uh, just combing through predictions yesterday, and I ran across this from John Breach from CBS Sports. He wrote an article titled, 2022 NFL Preview, Bold Predictions, Final Record for Every Team, Plus Playoff Picks and Super Bowl Winner. And this is what he predicted for the Broncos. They're going to make the playoffs. Okay. I think more than a few people are predicting they're going to I make the playoffs. That. A lot of people are predicting a 10-7 and 7 record. I don't know what you have predicted for the record, but I think that's pretty par for the course. And he says that'll get them the seventh seat. So they make the playoffs, according to Breach. Fair. They're going to beat the Chargers on the road in the wild card round. Ooh. I'm like, oh, it's tall order, but okay. Could see. It could be a home game, essentially, for the Broncos. Well, not if they're the seventh seat. Well, no, it could be a home game because they're playing in L.A., Oh, yes. There you go. I think every game is a home game for the visiting team. In <laughs> yeah. LA. So you're right about that. Then they go on the road to Buffalo. Who knows what the weather's going to be? They beat the Bills in the division round. Wow. I'm thinking, wow, that's something. Hmm, okay. And then that was kind of shocking to me. Yep. And then they go on the road to Kansas City. And they beat the Chiefs in the wild card. <laughs> Excuse me, in the AFC championship game. I'm like, wow. This guy's a little out there. I mean, you, you talk about a buzzsaw of teams. You got to get by Herbert, Allen, and Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, okay, that's pretty aggressive. All on the road. So now you go to the Super Bowl. Oh. And they beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers 31 to 24. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, I think everybody here would love it if that comes true. This is what he wrote. He said the past two Super Bowls have both been won by a quarterback who was in his first year with a new team, talking about Brady, Matthew Stafford. And he said, you know what? I've decided I'm just going to ride that train until it crashes. So I'm going with Russell Wilson and the Broncos to win it all this season. You see it playing out that way? How about it? How about just basing that off of history of what's happened in the past few years? That's that's pretty wild right there. I think that's lazy analysis. It, it, it very well could. It very well could be because just something just because something's happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen in the future. But what I do see and, and can see happening is the Broncos are going to have some speed bumps this year because it's Russell Wilson's first year with the team. A thing that he didn't mention in there was. Those two other teams, the Buccaneers two years ago and the Rams last year, they had the same coaching staff. They had a, a lot of the same continuity on the team. 
the Broncos didn't just bring Russell Wilson in here. They brought in an entirely new coaching staff, new head coach, new scheme, new system. All of that stuff is new, which he doesn't account for, except outside of his 10-7 and being the last team to make the playoffs. So they do struggle a little bit because of that, and then they pick up steam at the end of the season. Things could click for the Broncos at the end of the season this year. So saying that they're going to make a run like that, I think that's how it would happen. They're not going to be the one seed and then just breeze through the playoffs. It would be more so like this. So that's where I do agree with that. Okay, so I agree with you. One of the big differences is a new coaching staff. Mm -hmm. I'll give you another difference and then an area where I think the Broncos are actually better than those two teams. Talking about the Buccaneers and the uh, Chargers, not the Chargers, but the Rams. Excuse me. Too much coffee this morning. This is where it's different. The Broncos don't have Aaron Donald and a rejuvenated Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey. Now they do have Pat Sertan, but they don't have Aaron Donald. And with all due respect to Draymond Jones, they don't have uh, Leonard Floyd. They don't have that defense. Yep. Just like when you look at Tampa, they didn't have Shaquille, Shaquille Barrett on a tear, Indomitian Sue, Levante David, and a stifling Buccaneers defense. We might be proven wrong on that, that the Broncos defense is great, but those two teams had really, really good defenses. And certainly in the Buccaneers-Chiefs game, it's that Buccaneers defense that won them that Super Bowl. Yep. But this is what the Broncos do have that those other teams didn't have. I believe that when you look at the Broncos roster on offense, if they can find a way to figure out that outside zone blocking scheme, talking about the offensive line, specifically peaking at the right time, they have potentially the most potent offense in football when it comes to winning on the road, winning in bad weather, and winning in the playoffs. I think they're the only team with a marquee quarterback that also has a running back that can chew you up for the final four minutes of a game in Javante Williams. I don't think the Buccaneers had that. Well, maybe they did with Leonard, with Leonard Fournette. Maybe. Um... And I think that'd be a fair argument that they do, but the Rams certainly did not. No, no, they they did not. And it's going to come down to the offensive line for that because Russell Wilson, we know he he's the truth. When it comes to the running backs, throw in Melvin Gordon in there too because when you're talking about wearing down a defense on the road, let's say it is terrible weather in Buffalo, it is terrible weather in Kansas City in those games, you could run it 35 times and it's split between two guys and a bruiser like Javante Williams. And that is something that those teams don't have. But the offensive line, that's what it's all going to boil down to. What does the right tackle position look like? Does Billy Turner come in and be the savior that Nathaniel Hackett's hoping he is? Or are they on their fourth or fifth option entering this season with Cameron Fleming uh, and Calvin Anderson? And and it's just a turnstile there, and you can't run to the right side. If the Bills last year had a running back like Javante Williams, do you think they have a chance to run out the clock? on the Chiefs and go to the Super Bowl? Absolutely. That's why I'm that's why I'm shocked they didn't make a play at Melvin Gordon this offseason. Right. I was more than and it's not like he cost a lot of money. Nope. Two and a half million. Right. Almost the price of Sam Martin. 
What's that? Almost the price of Sam Martin. Yep, exactly. <laughs> now, Breach also predicts that for the first time in NFL history, every team in the AFC West finishes with a winning record. That'd be something. We know how tough this division is. We're very familiar with who the quarterbacks are. We don't need to name them. We it, well, One guy's opinion, and that is mine. I think that the AFC West has the top two pass-catching tight ends in football in Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. I love me some George Kittle, but he's a great all-around, great all-around tight end. He catches the ball really well, but he's not targeted like a Darren Waller or certainly a Kelsey. And then you throw in you know, Devontae Adams and some other really good wide receivers in this division. Do you think that happens, that all the teams finish with a winning record? Well, it's never happened before, so I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that, that, Why not? that that's likely to happen. Not likely, but do you think it could happen? Do you think it's realistic? I do. Uh, I do think it's realistic and could happen because of how good these teams are. So when you look through, I think most people put the Raiders as fourth in the division, especially here in Broncos country. A lot of people are putting the Raiders fourth, but you see the potential that they have. Derek Carr was an MVP candidate a couple of years ago before he got hurt. Josh McDaniels, the ultimate wild card. He's either he he can take them to the playoffs. Uh, it'd be a dynamic offense under Josh, or he could blow the whole thing up. Everyone here knows that he's capable of blowing the whole thing up. There, the talent they have, adding Devonte Adams to Darren Waller to Hunter Renfro, they they have the best receiving group in this division with a quarterback that's very capable of feeding those guys. Now their defense, bit massive question mark as well. But that's a team. If you're telling me. That, that they can go 9-8, and eight. I'm saying absolutely they can go 9-8, and eight, and that would round out the entire AFC West having a winning record. The Raiders are very, very strong in the category that begins with the word pass. Mm-hmm. They have a really good passer. They have a really good pass rush, and they have really good pass catchers. Other than that, they can't block on the offensive line they're not very good outside of their pass rushers on defense and their secondary is suspect. So for as much as we're going to be talking about how great the pass catchers are, what kind of time is Derek Carr really going to have? They cut their first round pick who is supposed to block and protect Derek Carr. Last year, they they drafted him in the first round. Alex Leatherwood, they cut him. That just shows you the issues that they have on the offensive line. Well, Mike Pritchard is going to be joining us on the show tomorrow. He and I played golf over the weekend in Vegas, and we were talking about the Raiders. And he said to me that Mark Davis, I don't know if we'll say it on the show, but I'll come out and say it now. He said his feeling is that Mark Davis just kind of wanted to clean the slate and wipe away the Gruden era. He just wanted to get rid of all of it. And that's what they've done. They've pretty much gotten rid of all their draft picks. But here's the thing, and I am not a talent evaluator. And what I'm about to say to you, you're going to say, Eric, that is just absolutely foolish analysis, and I get it. Um, at When Alex Leatherwood won a national title at Alabama, he was standing up on the podium, and he looked like a really immature kid. Hmm really immature kid. And and it struck me as I'm watching the trophy presentation and I'm thinking, I wouldn't touch this guy. Wouldn't even think about it. Now, uh, is that a way to evaluate players? Hell no, it's not a way to evaluate players. But my gut feeling told me, 
I don't know about this guy. Something seems a little bit off about this guy. A lot of people said about Alex Leatherwood, he's probably better off as a guard than a tackle anyway. But I'm thinking, don't touch him. And as it turns out, the Raiders didn't like him either. Um, then again, I was wrong about Josh Allen, so it's not like my analysis is, is picture perfect. But you can make the cases better than Mike Mayock. Well, you can definitely make a case of that. Yeah, who's the bigger bust? That's a good question there. Uh, but but you look, he was supposed to be really a day two pick, and the Raiders moved up to get him in the first round. Everyone thought it was wild, and everyone's saying, no, it wasn't that wild. It now. was a reach. <laughs> right, it exactly. Was, they didn't get good value because he doesn't have fluid hips, and he's not good at the three-cone drill. Well, And the Raiders, clearly a team, uh, Alex Leatherwood, someone that needed uh, good leadership, and the Raiders were not that place in so many different regards. Well, it's a good thing that the professional football team in town is called Denver because, generally speaking, the two major college football teams in town that start with the word Colorado, wow, just wow. Both teams get blown out. Colorado, Colorado State, which was more embarrassing and is Carl Durrell already on the hot seat? That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back, Morning Drive. Goodman and Hurdle, watch us at mileysports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Zach Stevens, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale lumber to the public, Go to rmfp.com. Zach Stevens, of course, you can catch his work on thednvr.com. Does a terrific podcast. You can also read his work there as well. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is brought to you by Pinnacle Builders, the best in home remodeling. Go to pinnacleden.com. Well, college football season is in full swing and already, um, after reading Twitter, following specifically the CU Buffs game, this season can't end soon enough. Colorado State, they went to the big house against Michigan. Nobody expected them to win. They were a 30 and a half point underdog, and the Wolverines covered easily. There was not going to be a repeat of Appalachian State, and you knew that early by watching that game. Uh, which team do you have more confidence in? right now and three years out. There's no question. This is easy. Yeah. It's Colorado State. Look, one program came into this year trending completely down in CU. I, I lost confidence with them way before this season started, way before they got blown out by TCU. But let me ask you, let me ask you. First half, seven to six. Are you thinking, okay, maybe this team isn't so bad? Or were you looking at the tea leaves and saying, the dam is going to break and it's going to be like a fire hose. That uh, option B for sure, because I just saw how inept CU's offense was. And there was questions at quarterback coming into the season, big questions. And I don't think Carl Durrell could have handled it worse because he had two quarterbacks 
and he went with two quarterbacks, and it was not looking good. Brandon Lewis was not good in the first half, really all game, and they didn't go with the guy who looks so much better, J.T. Stroud. They still use both of those guys, and it was just, it was a massive failure, and it was so obvious for everyone watching to see. I hate to say this, and I say this about the Rockies all the time, who, by the way, I was thinking about this on the car ride in. If people said to me, what do you think of the Rockies? My answer would be, we have a baseball team. <laughs> I didn't say good baseball team. We have a baseball well, that's team. That's true. And when it comes to the Power 5 school in this state, we happen to have a school, and that's about it. I, I've said to Bruce, when I did the show with Andrew Mason, I said it to him, um, the Rockies are not worth my time on this show. There's really nothing to talk about unless should this guy be fired. That That's really the reason to talk about them. And when I look at CU, since I have been covering this team since 2004, honestly, the only real reason to talk about CU outside of a couple of pretty good seasons, but that's really over the last basically 20 years, a couple of seasons, the only time to really talk about them is when are they going to fire their head coach? Mm -hmm. And now we are looking at Carl Durrell and thinking he looked outcoached. He looked like a guy who didn't know what he was doing. I understand a lot of his guys transferred. They didn't bring in a bunch of heavy hitters. But the thing that sticks out to me more so than anything else is not only did CU look just dreadful against TCU, but let's just for fun look at what somebody wrote about TCU going into this season. Tarleton State is the only true layup win for the Horned Frogs this year. Going to Colorado isn't going to be easy to start the season. The Horned Frogs will find a way to at least match last year's five-year win total. They'll come up with a few good home wins over solid teams. They should beat South Alabama, Kansas, and Tarleton State. They'll get a sixth win somewhere and get bowl eligible but it might come down to the Iowa State home game. That was one of the preview pieces on TCU. And I am not suggesting for a minute that TCU looked like Georgia against Oregon, but goodness gravy, that was just ugly. You know what's even more concerning? For a team that ran the ball down their throats, and I don't think I'm using this term loosely, the Buffs defensively got manhandled on the ground. How in the world are they going to find a way to compete against Air Force and Minnesota, which rely heavily on running the ball? They're, they're not going to be able to with the way that was. TCU ran the ball for 275 yards on almost 10 yards per carry. And they weren't considered that good of a running team coming into this game. And on top of that, new head coach, their quarterbacks, they also went with two quarterbacks. Neither of them were good. So CU had no threat of having to stop the passing game. And so all they had to do was focus on the running game. And Eric, they weren't even close to being able to compete with that. It, it was it was a dreadful performance. And when you talk to, to people that believed in C, that CU was going to hit the over in their wins for this year, which would, by the way, two and a half to three, they had TCU written down as one of those wins in order to get to three or four wins to hit that over. It wasn't even close. They didn't even come close to covering the 14-point spread. I say this with all due respect to <clears throat> friends of mine who are CU grads. 
and CU fans. But generally speaking, <clears throat> CU fans are like Chicago Bears fans in which they can't stop talking about the 1985 Super Bowl. <laughs> Everything comes back to that. Yeah, I remember back in 1985 when we had that defense with Buddy Ryan leading the Colorado football. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I used to have season tickets, so understand where I'm coming from on this. I'm not looking to dog on CU. Their glorified history is basically a span of about eight years. That's it. They don't have some rich tradition of winning. But in the minds of CU fans, they do. They have been dreadful. When you look at a baseball season, I judge teams by 10-game stretches. I think that the jury has reached the verdict that for 20 years, roughly, they have been pathetic, and the numbers add up. That Their losses are, I think, top five for Power Five conferences. And it's not getting any better anytime soon. The donors are not fans of Rick George. It is my understanding, if Rick George is probably offered a huge payout, he'd probably walk. I don't know how much he really wants to be there anymore. Love me some Tad Boyle. Wish they could win more NCAA tournament games. But right now, CU Athletics, when it comes to the revenue sports, have been nothing short of dreadful. Well, and you talk about it, just nothing's aligned there, which really doesn't give you any hope for the future. But they have a nice well. facility. They do. They, yeah. they do. They, they, got, the they got facilities. The facility is there. But in terms of looking at this and, and Carl Durrell and trending, it couldn't be any worse because you mentioned all of the transfers that he lost. Who's on that? That's on him. Those That's are right. his guys that he needs to retain. Those are those guys he needs to go out and fill those guys uh, and, and get good recruits. He didn't do any of that. The program left this offseason, so it's not a surprise that the program is now in shambles and the football team doesn't have much talent. As for Jay Norvell, it's one game. It's the first game. What you did you expect? And look who they're playing. It was a pay-me-meat-grinder game. Everybody knew what this was going to be. I have plenty of confidence in Jay Norvell, and I will be absolutely stunned if he does not turn this program around. CSU fans certainly bummed, and I get it, but their trajectory is going up. As for CU, I have no idea. You know what they should feel fortunate about? What? That they play in the same conference as Oregon and Utah. <laughs> think about think about that for a second. They play in the same conference as Oregon and Utah, two nationally ranked teams who lost games. One, I didn't expect them to beat Georgia, but I didn't expect them to look like that. And Utah, they they played a Florida team that wasn't ranked. So if there is any question whatsoever how good Pac twelve football is. We got our answer this weekend. What do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? College football was back in full swing over the weekend, bringing much excitement to fans across the country. So what was the crowd at the famed Rose Bowl like? We'll tell you next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Stevens on Mile High Sports. I love the colorful clothes she wears 
And the way the sunlight plays upon her head Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, mylifesports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Zach Stevens, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale on the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, UCLA drew an attendance of just 27,413 at the Rose Bowl for their home opener on Saturday versus Bowling Green. And that might have even been a generous number for a school that is moving to the Big Ten in 2024. How concerning is this low attendance figure? Yikes. For the, you mean for the Big Ten? Uh, Yeah, yeah, for the Big Ten. Yeah. What did we do? After what Oregon did this weekend, I don't know. If, I don't think Oregon's going to be getting a call, which eventually they will, right? Yeah. But but what in the world is the state of Pac-12 athletics? I know they have a new commissioner. I know they want a new television deal. I know that they're trying to survive, but it's as if somebody turned on a fire hose and is just blasting all of these teams with water. UCLA with attendance. Utah, highly ranked team, loses on the road to unranked Florida. We know what happened to Oregon. And oh, by the way, the conference that CU wants to go to will eventually likely go to because I don't think the Pac-12 is going to be around. What what conference does uh, TCU play in? The Big 12. It just shows you the state of the Pac-12 when you get 27,000 at UCLA. The pictures coming from that game right. just really encapsulate exactly what the Pac-12 looks like right now, and that is just a place you don't want to be. Well, it's, it's very typical. I don't want to say it's very typical L.A. because I don't want to feed into the stereotype, but you know, you talk about not Rams games, but Chargers games. They don't have home games there because there's so many visiting fans. And now you look at football at UCLA, and it's not much better. Forget about forget about having road fans there. They have almost no fans there. But if you're talking about teams needing to step up in the Pac-12, it is USC. It is UCLA. And so when you see 27,000 out there, it just shows you that the Pac-12, nobody cares about right now. Well, I'll tell you right now, in, in a sixth sort of way, I'm sure uh, the new commissioner, Klivikov, whose probably ass is chapped over USC and UCLA leaving, I bet he had a party. Thinking, okay, Big Ten, look what you got. Look what you got. And the Big Ten is responding with, I don't care if people show. It's the number two market in the country. The Big Ten is saying, look what you got with Oregon and, and Utah. Exactly. We're, we're moving on. We're, we're going to the number two market in the country. Yeah, we'd like people to show up. We get that. But the money's in the television right. 
At least USC and Lincoln Riley put a hurting on Rice on Saturday. Right. They <laughs> All did. Right. They did. Uh, just in case you missed it, we haven't discussed this yet as this happened after the show on Thursday. So wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers aggressively pursued and acquired three-time All-Star Donovan Mitchell in a trade with the Utah Jazz last week as the Cavs sent Laurie Markkinen, uh, Oche Abaji, Colin Sexton, three unprotected first-round picks and two pick swaps for Mitchell. Does this deal transform Cleveland into a real Eastern Conference contender? And would you rather have Mitchell or Jamal Murray on your team? Mm. Mitchell. He's more proven. And he's a guy that's more available. By the way, the Nuggets had him because they picked for Utah and gave him to Utah. Yep. Same with Gobert. Donovan Mitchell's a, a heck of a player and just what a miss by the Knicks. The Knicks just keep being the Knicks. They had an opportunity to get him, denied a trade, and then Cleveland ended up trading less for Donovan Mitchell than the Knicks would have. So Knicks just completely mess up, and this does turn Cleveland into a contender now uh, in the East, and I think that's a, a key part. They're a contender in the East. Right. I mean, they're they're a good team. Does it make them a title contender? I doubt it. You know the big winner here is? Again, is Danny Aiden in Utah. I don't know how the drafts look a couple years out, but they're loaded with picks, and, and that's what he wanted, right? So he got what he wanted. He gave away everybody. He gave away his two biggest assets. And great general managers look ahead and say, what do drafts look like? And if the next two years are really stocked with talent, guys are going to be pretty good pretty fast. Scary for the Nuggets. Yep. Just in case you missed it, the Broncos worked out Carson Strong yesterday, but he was not added to the practice squad as the team's 16-player practice squad is now full. If anything happens to one of their three quarterbacks this season, do you think the Broncos view Strong as a potential fallback option? A fallback for a practice squad quarterback, which doesn't mean much. I mean, Carson Strong, talk about the fall he's had. He was viewed as potential first-round pick at the end of last season. Now he can't even make a practice squad. So that's that's the type of quarterback we're talking about. Hey, he's his name is way bigger than he actually would would give to a team right now. Well, the, the Broncos were potentially in the market for a quarterback this offseason before the Russell Wilson trade. And we talked about all those quarterbacks before the trade. And then once the trade happened for Russell Wilson, we didn't have to talk about Kenny Pickett's hand size anymore. With that, how many rookie quarterbacks are starting this year? Zero. Point zero. <laughs> zero point zero. Man. Just in case you missed it, uh, Steelers quarterback Mitch Trubisky, who has been taking first-team uh, quarterback reps but hasn't officially been announced as the starter, he was named a team captain yesterday. Is naming Trubisky a captain an indication of the direction the Steelers are going at quarterback in Week 1 versus the Bengals? Wait, it's not Kenny Pickett? <laughs> Those hands weren't big enough to get the job done. Apparently. Apparently, it was all about who gave the best high five. <laughs> and clearly, it was Trubisky. Listen, Trubisky is a, is a talented guy. And if we're being completely honest here, when's the last time the Bears had a good quarterback? Been a long time. Right. Now, certainly, I think the Bears would have rather have had Patrick Mahomes. I'm not so sure about Deshaun Watson. But let's see what Trubisky looks like with Mike Tomlin. I think it's a big mistake, though. It, it should be Kenny Pickett. He's the future. He's the future, and it was that close in camp where they still haven't officially named a starter. You go with the young guy who's got more upside at this point. 
Once you name somebody captain. No, he's no doubt the starter, Mitchell Trubisky. Although wasn't Trevor Simeon named a captain with Paxton Lynch on the roster? Mm-hmm. But Trevor was the starter. He was. And Paxton Lynch was a reach. He was. What's Paxton doing these days? Uh, I don't even know if he's still in the CFL or not. Yeah. Home game boy. Whatever the hell you call it. <laughs> that was a Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk in any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. And by the way, you got to check out their new clearance center. Uh, it's in the same spot. It's right off of, you know, basically I-25 and 64th Street. It was always a big showroom. Now it's even bigger because they just bought a larger space. You got to go check it out. Even better pricing. Um, and if you want to see what a real showroom looks like, and I'm talking about uh, what kitchens look like. You walk into their stores in Littleton or Louisville, they have kitchens set up so you can see what it would look like potentially in your home. Great customer service, great appliances, Mountain High Appliance. You can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center again in Denver. Coming up after the break, Peter King made his predictions for the upcoming season. We talked about it in the last hour where CBS Sports' John Breach predicted the Broncos were going to win the Super Bowl. Does Peter King feel the same way? That's next. Oh. 